This is Ben Max from Gotham Gazette. And I'm Jarrett Murphy from City Limits. We're joining on the podcast today in the aftermath of Special Election 2018 by uh, Stanley Fritz, the New York City Campaign Manager for Citizen Action. Stanley, thanks for coming. Thank you. Uh, tell us about Citizen Action and tell us about your role there and, and kind of how you came to play that role. Sure. So, um, like as you guys said, my name is Stanley Fritz. I'm the New York City Campaigns Manager for Citizen Action of New York. So, Citizen Action of New York is a statewide grassroots organization, and we're fighting for social, economic, environmental and racial justice and we do that a couple of ways so one going into the communities that people tend to ignore communities that they're having these conversations in silos and don't realize that you know they're all talking about the same things bringing them together and showing them how to build power and then using that power to hold our elected officials accountable um, you know we really believe in a world where you know millionaires and billionaires are not dictating the policies that people have everyone has access to a quality education you need $15 an hour for your baseline salary at minimum and you also need a union because unions are important and in New York City we're building that movement all, in all five boroughs but right now we've really been focusing our energy in the Bronx in the Bronx and why is that so the Bronx when I mentioned before that you know people are having these conversations about the issues in their communities but usually it's like three of us or just me and you or just me and they they don't expand those conversations because they don't realize or don't think that they can do anything about it to change it. And the Bronx, even though it's transitioning, and you can, I'd say gentrification is a big reason for that in real estate, the people who are there now, who've always been there, who've gone through the good, the bad, the ugly, and the indifferent, are not necessarily benefiting from those changes. And one of the ways you can help them benefit is by having conversations with them, finding out what their issues are, um, showing them they can build power, then giving them the tools to actually do that. And what that means is part of my job is a community organizer. You organize a community, you organize people, you organize issues. I want people in Parkchester and Hunts Point and Grand Concourse and um, Soundview Houses to be able to like be so good at organizing. I'm unemployed, which will probably be a problem for me. But, you know, <laughs> hindsight is twenty twenty. So it's funny because, I mean, the work you're describing is sort of the famous, you know, as you just said, I was going to say community organizing work that like, People didn't really know what Barack, you know, that, that like that was what Barack Obama did before he became famous. And yeah. people have always had this, you know, some people have had this question, what, what is a community organizer? And right. Yeah. And he was sort of um, uh, ridiculed as being a community organizer back in uh, 2007, eight, I guess it was. Yeah. yeah. So what's Citizen Action, what's your, your role, your relationship with the Working Families Party? How does that how does that work? So we are um, a member and affiliate of the Working Families Party. And, you know, obviously we have um, some members of Citizen Action who also vote um, for, like, statewide endorsements for Working Families Party. And just outside of that, there are partners. You know, I think we, like, we're really aligned on the issues and on, like, what we'd like our elected offices and officials to look like in the future. So I guess that's, you know, to answer that question. So, so Citizen Action is uh, an activist, advocacy, organizing organization yes an affiliate of the working families party yes um so you're part of the staff of citizen action but then you also have members who are basically your um you know the people that sort of are active and activated to try to yes. influence uh, politics and policy and yeah. what's happening in their world um so the Special elections, we're talking the day after. What's your reaction to what happened last night? Obviously, there was really one marquee race, the state yeah. senate 
race in uh, District 37 in Westchester. Um, what's your reaction to what happened there? What does it mean? Um, were you involved? You know, was, I know you're a New York City campaign yeah. manager, but were you involved or how was Citizen Action involved? So we definitely had some members go up to Westchester to, to door knock and volunteer for that campaign because it doesn't matter where in New York City or even New York State the election is happening. If it's an opportunity for us to get more Democrats in the New York State Senate or even better, more Working Families Party focused Democrats into the New York State Senate, so that we can pass progressive policies, we have an interest, and we really give a damn about it. Um, I'm really happy that Shelley Mayor won this election. Um, I wasn't able to go out there and volunteer, unfortunately, but you know, like I said, we have tons of members who did um, for a couple of reasons. One, it's one more good Democrat in state Senate, and two, she's actually a pretty good candidate. You know, it's it's really helpful when you have a Democrat in office, but it's also more helpful when you have a Democrat or any elected official really who understands the issues, who cares, and is capable capable of doing the job. And I think she hits all three of those dockets. So you're sort of hitting on a big question right now, which is <laughs> this issue of different types of Democrats. Yeah. And this has been obviously, um, you know, your organization, Citizen Action, endorsed Cynthia Nixon for governor, the Working Families Party that Citizen Action is a part of endorsed Cynthia Nixon for governor, and part of her critique of Governor Cuomo has been that he's sort of a fake Democrat, that he's governed as a Republican. So explain this conversation about what's who's a real Democrat and why not welcome Democrats of all stripes to have as big a tent and strong a party as possible. So... I'm not a big fan of that fake Democrat, real Democrat conversation. I think Governor Cuomo is a pay-as-you-go Democrat. And what I mean by that is like, he's only a Democrat because it benefits him. If he were in Mississippi, he'd probably be a Republican. And that's just the fact of the matter when it comes to the governor. Now, as far as Democrats and where people lie on issues, I think it's safe to say that people can have different spectrums of their politics. And we can debate and we can agree to disagree. And But we know the bigger picture is a certain worldview that we have. So that's very important to me. Governor Cuomo doesn't have that worldview. So like I said before, our worldview is about building powerful communities, make sure people have livable wages, make sure we have quality education, fighting for racial justice, fighting for gender justice. Those are things that we think if we help to make New York State and the rest of the country and the world look like that, everyone would be a lot better off. Governor Cuomo's worldview is Governor Cuomo. So what you'll see happen is he'll do things if it benefits him or if he's forced. And then when he does things to benefit himself, it's not even a, a really good job. So let's look at the Excelsior program, for example. He gets Bernie Sanders. I'm, I'm still shaking my head at Senator Sanders from coming out here to do this. And he goes, we're going to have free college tuition for every single student for public school, public colleges in New York State. No, you're not. Because it doesn't cover, cover room room and board. It doesn't cover books. You have to go straight from high school into college and you can't miss a single semester. You have to take 15 credits. So now I went to SUNY College out of Westbury. Loved that school. Best decision I ever made. I have lots of student loan debt. Not because I like taking out loans because it feels good, but because it was really important to me to leave the environment that I was living in and go away. So it was about safety, mental health, and just being focused. And that's why I went away for college work. Long Island isn't really away. <laughs> well, it's away if you're where you were in Brooklyn. Yeah, a kid from yeah. East New York, I thought Long Island was a country. <laughs> the police were different. They had different colored cars. I'm like, whoa, am I in New York anymore? But, you know, Stanley in 2004, when I graduated from high school, showing my age, if Stanley from 2004 was Stanley in 2018 and wanted to go to SUNY College at Westbury, Excelsior would still have Stanley taking out loans. 
it would, and that's just the case of it. And also, if you go to a city college, like City College of New York, where I worked as a project coordinator for Nightburg, where students were taking full course loads and working full-time jobs because they had to be the breadwinners for their families, Excelsior does not help because you got to pay for trains. Trains are expensive. They're also delayed. I left my house 9.15 this morning. I still got here at 9.45. Pardon me. Um, 8.15 this morning, I still got here at 9.45. That would have been a pretty good trip if it was the first <laughs> yeah. one. Um, people have to go to work. They have to work two, three jobs, then go take care of their families. There's just absolutely no way that you can take 15 credits and then do that and then exist and be a functional student. And we know some people move heaven and earth, but they shouldn't have to. And then... Governor Cuomo says he cares about working people, but we're delaying the minimum wage increase in New York City until, I think, 2021 or 22. And in upstate New York, I'm really shaky on when it's even happening. It's going to take even longer. You want people to stay here 10 years after they graduate, but they can't get good-paying jobs because you're focused on making sure that your real estate buddies, that your millionaire buddies, that your billionaire buddies are happy with the tax incentives that they're getting. Who can do that? My first job out of college, I loved it. I also was so poor that I ate crown fried chicken every single day because I couldn't afford to buy groceries. So Cynthia Nixon, um, emerging as a candidate, before she got the WFP nod and in the week since, what are specific policies she's articulated that have impressed you that are different from what Cuomo has done or has said he was going to do? Education. I think education is a big thing in New York State, and I think if you if you go to different public schools in different parts of the state or even the city, you start to see just how lacking in funding we are. And it's amazing because we have so much money going into the system, but it doesn't seem to reach the classrooms. And I recognize her from two things, sex in the city, like most of us, but then two, seeing, oh, that, that lady from sex in the city is protesting about education funding. Those are the two things. And she's been good on those issues for a long time. And then she was also pretty active on same-sex marriage. And I always credit people like her and Kanye West, rest in peace Kanye West, um, for like helping me change my position on same-sex marriage. Because I was a kid. Kanye from West is not actually dead. We well, as a black say. person, he is. Well, okay. yeah. We don't want <laughs> we'll to freak one. anybody yeah. out of here. Yeah. <laughs> um, so here's a question, though. You know, you mentioned Governor Cuomo and his, uh, what you say, sort of his chameleon approach to, to politics. And obviously he's changed. The Cuomo we have today is very different from the Cuomo in 2011. Or an hour ago. He's a guy or, or who has, has now embraced some increases to the minimum wage. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of other progressive issues he's adopted in part because of pressure from the left. So I guess the question is, if he continues to move that way, if he continues to pick up the issues, some of which you're articulating, is that good enough? Can New York State survive if Cynthia Nixon merely pushes Cuomo left, or do we actually need a new person in there? Is it one and the same? I think we need a new person in there because it's not just about pushing him to the left. If it was just a politician who we didn't necessarily see eye to eye on the issue and but we could push him to the left, that might be more reasonable. But it's the entire governing style of Governor Cuomo where all of his friends are shady, but we're supposed to trust that he's not. Where he used bullying tactics when he can't get his way. This is a democratically elected person who has been going after groups, working people, immigrant rights groups, because they didn't want to support him. You don't need that kind of attitude. That sets the tone for the state. And that makes other leaders and people coming up in politics think they have to work that way. That's toxic. Politics is not supposed to be that way. And I know I'm idealistic because, I don't know, maybe I watch too much West Wing. But I'd, I'd much rather have a Cynthia Nixon in there and know that, you know, we might not agree on everything, but she's not going to go scorch earth if I say, sorry, that's not my thing. Some of the governor's backers would say every issue you've mentioned, he's done something on, mm -hmm. uh, something significant, you know. And as you point out, there's almost always some 
compromise involved or some delayed implementation, things like that. Mm-hmm. But that he's taken big action. It's a big state with a lot of different interests. Yeah. Um, and that, you know, he's done a pretty good job even moving some of these big progressive goals, as you've touched on, minimum wage, some college tuition relief, uh, raise the age of criminal responsibility, adult criminal responsibility, um, marriage equality, obviously paid family leave, et cetera. So there's like a big list, mm-hmm. some of which everybody would acknowledge is a little bit watered down or phased in, but it's a big state. And that he's the type of guy with his knowledge and his ability to get things done that, yeah, I think as you might have seen, Richie Torres, city council member from the Bronx, wrote, you know, the style's not always kind of easy, but he gets stuff done. I was really surprised Richie wrote that. He compared him to LBJ. LBJ is my favorite and least favorite president altogether because of like the amazing way he pushed policy and the change of heart he had on civil rights issues. But LBJ was pushed by the civil rights movement, and Richie Torres forgot to mention that, that a lot of the big issues that he pushed, the civil rights movement really forced his hand on that. Um, and you know what? LBJ had lots of flaws, which is why he's also my least favorite president. I would not put Governor Cuomo in the same space of LBJ, because Governor Cuomo, I think it's more so about just like his own personal interest. One. Two, he has gotten some things done. I don't want to take that away from him, but we have to ask the question of how it's gotten done. It's usually from activists in the communities fighting tooth and nail, giving blood, sweat, and tears, going to work all day and traveling up to Albany to get this stuff done so he can finally maybe listen. And then even then, his corporate interest had the final say. And that's just the problem. That doesn't have to be the way. That's like saying, you know, well... Even though there's garbage all over the floor, two blocks down, it's even filthier. So, we could have a clean room. It doesn't have to be this way. And it's, it's, I don't want to be in an abusive relationship with a governor because he's gotten some things done. What do you, the vision that Citizen Action, and I assume, you know, yourself personally, that City, Cynthia Nixon's putting forward, that, you know, folks on the far left, quote unquote, far left, are, yeah. are advocating here is not where the majority of New Yorkers are. What do you say to people who are more moderate, people who are conservative, um, that don't want that full agenda put into place? So let's think about the things that we're really asking for. Um, We don't think that people charged with misdemeanors should be given bails because we think that it it almost always hurts black and Latino people. We think that people should get paid at least a $15 minimum wage and have a union. We think that marijuana should be legalized because it's no more dangerous or addictive than alcohol, which is legalized. And we think that people who are charged for marijuana charges, which are usually black and brown people, should have those charges cleared because there was clearly some racialized policing happen. We think that we should have publicly financed elections so that we can open up the political space for more people. Those aren't ridiculous things. And as I said at the beginning of this, people are having these conversations and nine out of ten times they're saying the same things in different ways. They're not using the hippie speak, as, I, as I, I say, to make fun of like our issues. They're just saying, you know, I sure wish I had some people who would have my back when my boss is being ridiculous. $10 an hour isn't going to help pay the rent. I need more. You know? Marijuana doesn't hurt anybody. Why did Jason have to go to jail for it? My childhood best friend, he went to Rikers when he was 15 years old for smoking weed on the corner. He spent two years there, was never charged of anything. He never came back. 
The departure of some of the large unions from the WFP obviously has been a storyline, um, but there's been a, some opinion, a, a pining in recent days that that yeah. might actually create an opportunity for you know what remains of the WFP, mm -hmm. um, that it might free it to speak more freely on some issues where the unions and some progressive values might might clash. Mm -hmm. um, and at least that, like rhetorically, it can make it appear as though you know you're not like merely doing the union's bidding. What's your take? What do you think the implications of that split are mm -hmm. for the WFP and for the case you can make? That's like when you get into an argument with your best friend after a heated game of Uno. You know, <laughs> maybe not so simple. Stakes are a little higher. Yeah, yeah just slightly higher, right? Yeah. No, um, I you know, I wouldn't say that it's going to give us more freedom to like work on issues that we would disagree with with our union sisters and brothers. I think there are sisters and brothers, and we'd much rather be working with them and in lockstep with them. Um, I think that like we're we're seeing different spaces in this moment right now, and we're both going to do what we have to do, and hopefully we'll reunite. Um, there's an opportunity, yes, for like to bring in more people into the space, but hopefully there's an opportunity for unions to come back because Working Families Party was started for working people. That means working people who have unions and working people who are not in unions. That's how you build power. So my understanding is that Cynthia Nixon, who now has a, a ballot line in, in November, um, has not said definitely whether or not she's going to actively contest that race if mm -hmm. she if she loses the primary to Governor yeah. Coleman. I know you're not conceding that, but so tell me for you, what do you think the thinking should be about that? And I don't want you to predict the future, but hypothetically, if she does not prevail mm -hmm. in the primary in September, how will you approach the decision if you were advising her as to whether to stay in the race or not? Obviously, the concern being that she might simply play "quote unquote" spoiler. Yeah. How should we think about that? I, you know, honestly, that's over my pay grade. I, I don't know. <laughs> I, I don't even want to think that way because, I mean, we pissed off Governor Cuomo. We got to win now. Like, he's <laughs> not, not. No. Yeah. He's not gonna be like, oh, well, you know, she lost. It's no hard feelings. He's coming for us. It's obvious. So we're just trying to win. That's what I'm thinking. And and so. He indicated, you know, these questions about sort of threats that he, he allegedly made, he was asked about. He indicated, oh, punishment, that's not for me. That's mm -hmm. up to God to punish yeah. anybody. Um, putting sort of that, that statement aside, unless you really want to address it, um, what is the concern? I mean, it, do you think there's a real chance here that um, the state government and local governments will stop? funding groups like yours? Um, how much do you rely on government funding? Mm -hmm. What, um, you know, your ability to do the community organizing work that you're talking about and advocate for the issues that you're talking about? Um, what's at stake here? And what, I mean, what is the threat yeah. that's that's at play? So, yeah, from what I understand, and I haven't been in these conversations, he has told unions, labor unions, if anyone that funds these groups lose my number, he's threatened to pull up people's 990s and call their funders. Um, and we know that he's the most powerful person and individual person in New York State. And that shows in a lot, lot of different ways. It shows in who will publicly support you. It shows in who will have conversations with you. It shows in how he responds to your ask. Um, I think one of the biggest things, which is like just another reason why I think we need to get rid of politicians like him from this state, is our people have real issues. So, for example, Make the Road, New York, which is one of the biggest um, immigration rights groups in the state and in the country, period. They're fighting for working people every single day. And he's saying he's not threatening these groups, but he's also ignoring them. He's closing them out from conversations. And then he goes outside and gaslights everyone. But you know what? While he's trying to play both sides of the field, these people are suffering because they have issues that need to be heard. And it's his job as a governor to hear them. 
Or, as we saw in the paper the other day, he's calling people to not show up to rallies or not to talk to people. So cutting activists off, community people off, the kid in Soundview, the, the mother in Brownsville off, from like resources that can, hope, that can hopefully change the universe that they exist in. So those are the ways that like, I see it personally, and just once again, why he needs to go. So if the unions are, are backing away from the Working Families Party and, and affiliates like yours, um, and let's say that because it would look so terrible, um, you know, government funding remains intact, and there's obviously city council, you mm -hmm. know, city funding and state funding, but let's, let's just sort of say, what do you, what does your organization, what does the WFP need to do to survive? Or uh, are you looking at a at a very scaled back operation because the unions have have left? And and well, I have one more quick question on that. But but what like what do you have to do to survive without being allied with the unions at this point? Well, you know, at least financially in New York City, I'll be doing the Showtime dances on the A train now. So if you guys are have a couple of dollars, no. Yeah. Um, we're a people-powered organization, so even you know, even in this moment, we've we've always been asking people to like, don't put band-aids on gashes. Help us like fund the movement. So our movement is funded by our community people, and we've seen a lot of support come from the community. People who have to worry about like their biggest concerns are I have to pay my light bill, or you know I got to make sure there's enough food to last for the rest of the week. Are giving to the organization, and that's humbling because it lets us know that we're on the right side of the work and on the right side of the issues. So, you know, if you guys want to become members of Citizen Action <laughs> and WFP, which probably not because, you know, you're port reporters, <laughs> go ahead. But if you're listening, please do. I'm curious about the anti-IDC. There used to be this thing called the IDC. You might remember yeah, it. I've heard of it. Uh, it's no more. But uh, candidates who have emerged, most of them depicting themselves as being to the left of the IDC yeah. candidates um, and who are challenging them in state senate races, uh, what do you think about those races? What role, do you, if any, do you see Citizen Action or WFP playing in them? Is that still an active kind of, are those active contests despite the reunification deal? The artists formerly known as IDC should all be unemployed. That's, that's, that is a wonderful dream to, to hopefully come true after the primaries, particularly Jeff Klein, Jesse Hamilton. This hurts my heart because I was such a fan of her, Marisol Alcantara. Um, what's this guy? Jose Peralta, like these these people, they need to be unemployed because, once again, it's not an issue of having disagreements on issue on like certain specific issues or policies. It's about going to the other side and helping to prop up people who, especially in the last year and a half, have not just moved to the right; they've moved to the racist, and then gaslit people when we call them out on it. So yeah, we're gonna be active in that in that work, and I'm, I'm pretty sure WFP is going to be active in that work as well. And I think we have some really good candidates, um, some candidates that I'm particularly excited about: Robert Jackson, um, Zelnar Myrie, um, Biagi. Biagi is pretty awesome. So I'm I'm really excited about like all these races, but obviously I have my favorites. So in our last couple of minutes here with uh, Stanley Fritz of Citizen Action New York, campaign manager here in the city. Mm -hmm. um, Take us through a little bit of what your work is looking like right now. So what are you doing? You know, special elections are over. Citizen Action was involved that. You said you didn't personally go up to Westchester, but, you know, that was sort of a big focus for people. Now we're yeah. past that hurdle. It's end of April going to the September primary as the big focus stretch right now. Yeah. What does your work look like on a daily, weekly basis right now? There's three ducats to it. So there's campaign planning for our big issues. Um, we're working with Just Leadership USA on a free New York campaign. So for bail reform, speedy trial, discovery reform, the real stuff, not the, the weird shit Cuomo presented. 
Um, Leap. Sorry. No, it's okay. <laughs> um, Retroactive. <laughs> <laughs> and then um, the most important... So that's influencing the legislature in yes. Albany because there is still a legislative session. Yes. Okay. So and why. then um, two is the most important thing to me, I think. Well, sec one of the most important is we're literally just going knocking on doors... We're not asking for membership. We're not asking for, for any kind of like big ass. We're just talking to people about the issues and finding out what they care about. And then if they allow us, we're telling them what we're working on. That's it, literally. And we're doing this in, once again, places that have not really, that most politicians and a lot of groups are not paying attention to. So places like Soundview, Parkchester, Hunts Point. Um, we're in Grand Concourse a lot. And we're also doing other parts of the city, um, you know, East New York, Brownsville, Tilden, Tilden Buildings, you know, um, old stomping grounds, talking to those people. And the last piece is political education so that these scattered conversations that people are having about these issues where they agree with us but we're not using the same language we're trying to like just bring people in to have these these conversations so we can start to name some of these things that are happening so for example that humble brag we're having an event this monday called runaway inequality and we're talking about the way that the super rich have used the political system racism sexism all these pieces to kind of have like working class people like us fighting at each other while they're getting millions and billions and trillions of dollars so that's a big training we're doing i'm really pumped up about that hmm. curious you know, back to the wfp and um sort of where it is in its trajectory um you know i let's just put it this way i had a friend i have a friend who used to vote wfp all the time mm -hmm. but then stopped because it was apparent that they were obviously just really uh a set seemed like they were just a section of the democratic party they mm -hmm. endorsed democrats some of whom were not really notable for their you know, being luminaries on, on, on progressive issues. Yeah. But then there have been times when WFP has sort of stepped out from that, you know, endorsing Tish yeah. James in 2003, um, and times to step back. They didn't make an endorsement in, I think, the 2005 mayoral race because they mm -hmm. just wanted to step out of it. Yeah. So as part of this, like, WFP sort of figuring out whether, whether it's really an independent left-wing party mm -hmm. or merely an appendage to the Democratic establishment? Is that part of what's going on here? So I, we are an independent left-wing. We want to push. We'd like to push Dems and all elected officials, really, to the left on the issues. Um, and, you know, just you, you live long enough, you do this work long enough, you'll make some choices where you're like, oh, what were we thinking? And you'll make some choices like, holy crap, it worked out. And I think that's just with anyone. I think that if there was any question about where WIP was and how we stand on issues, go look at our governor and lieutenant governor endorsements. Um, and also, it just we're it goes by a democratic you process. You mean this year, not yeah. in the past. Yeah, and I can't, you know. <laughs> well, I mean, but that's that's part of the question around yeah. the WFP that Jared's getting at, right? Yeah. Is is sort of what's the point if it's just going to be cross endorsements of yeah. the Democratic candidate? It's not. It's not. Um, but like at the same time, like the only way we can do better with picking candidates, the only way we can do better with finding the right kind of people is with getting more people involved. The more diverse that space is, the more voices there are in that space, the better decisions we'll make. Um, one of the things that we, you know, we're working on, we've improved in, but like we need to see some growth in is like black and Latino people in these spaces. Young people in these spaces having these conversations. So um, to that friend and to all those friends like that, join us. Yeah, let's argue about stuff, as they would say in the West Wing. Let me sort of argue with you on one thing, and then if Jared has a final question, we'll kick it back to him. But, um, you know, we did an article on this, and I don't know where I am, you know, personally on this, but this question of whether someone, you know, Cynthia Nixon or someone like her is, mm -hmm. is qualified to be governor, mm -hmm. is ready to take charge of, the third most populous state in the country, $170 billion budget, um, 
intricacies of upstate and western New York and the southern tier and Long Island. I mean, yeah. it's a big, vast state. Lots of interests, lots of elected officials, lots of towns and villages and cities. Um, how do you think about that? I mean, you've obviously gotten behind her. Yeah. Um, how do you think about someone with advocacy experience but no governing experience, yeah. no real executive experience? Um, how do you how do you think about that? Well, no one's ever really ready for the job of governor for any of these positions. You kind of no matter who you are, you you there's there's some aspect of learning it on the job. That's one. But then two, as I've learned after working for elected officials. A lot of what they are able to accomplish is about the team that they build. It's not going to be about just about Cynthia Nixon alone. It's about the people she puts around her. And if you know, if if it's anything close to what she has on her campaign team, I think that we'd be in good shape as far as the type of quality people you need. And then also, just as an elected official, the way it should work is you should be listening to the people. So you know, before two years ago, I had never been to Troy before Troy, New York. Now one of my favorite places to go, but like I've learned about it, like from going there and talking to people and learning about the issues and letting those people lead because a good elected official is asking, how can I help you? And let's have that conversation and then finding ways to make it work through the system that we, we currently run through. So I think if Cynthia is elected governor, that experience question, there will be bumps in the road because there are bumps in the road with everyone, but at least she'll have a good team and you'll know it's not someone who thinks that they can bully you into doing what they want. I'd much rather prefer that than what we have now. Stanley Fritz, New York City Campaign Manager for Citizen Action of New York. Thanks so much for joining us. Thank you. Thanks, Stanley. Thanks, guys.